You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. We have got a jam-packed Monday of Sports Talk Radio for you. What a weekend in football, in the NFL and college football. Especially yesterday's NFL action. Some shockers, some heartbreak, some career-making moments, all kinds of things to dig into as we're coming to you live here from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. Fantasy baseball playoffs are happening. The NBA is getting closer. The NFL picture, most importantly, is starting to get clear. It is a great stretch in sports. Oh, I'm sorry, D-Cell soccer. There's stuff going on there as well. And we're going to hit a bunch of it, other than the soccer. You want to call us? 855-212-4CBS, Twitter Sports, Rider Sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. To, to make sense of of yesterday and all the storylines that are out there, we're going to get help from one of the absolute best in the business, Mike Florio, the gentleman behind Pro Football Talk, will be on the program in an hour. Uh, because so many things happened, it's the perfect day for buy or sell, one of those catch-all segments. Whatever we don't hit, D-Cell has put together, he's the... He's the sheepdog of sports talk topics. Anything wandering past the fence line of the show, D-Cell's going to gather him up, and he's going to get you a take on each and every one, or at least a question. I'll give you the take. Can't wait. Uh, double Monday Night Football tonight as well. Really interesting couple games. Titans of Buffalo, that's a great game. I think Buffalo's cream of the crop, but it takes, for me, three or four games to be sure. Big test tonight. Interesting game. Vikings at Eagles. One of those teams is going to be a playoff team. It doesn't feel like either is going to be a real threat beyond that. But again, we'll get some kind of an indication this evening. Uh, We will get into Trey Lance and what is a brutal, heartbreaking injury. And only in Sports Talk Radio could something happen that's that big of a, a bummer. It's awful. And my heart goes out to that kid and have it still be the kind of situation when when. When Trey Lance went down, Jimmy Garoppolo's the backup, obviously, and now the starter for the season. When the news came out that Trey Lance was going to miss the year, the amount of commentary about the executive producer of this show, Tommy DeCelestino at CBS, it made me both weep for humanity and, and cheer for it. Because it's not very nice. It's not when, when a dude, especially a young dude, loses his season, his, his, his big chance to injury, and I'm with that. And I think the listeners who tweeted at me at SportsWriter, SportsREITER, and hit me up on Facebook were with that too. But never let a chance go by to bust the chops of a buddy or a producer of a radio show you listen to. And i got to tell you, guys, I, I respect the, the hell out of it. All right, 855-2124-CBS. Let's start, though, one of the things about to his game yesterday, and the Dolphins' remarkable comeback against the Ravens, and, and that historic performance, is not just the magic of that football game, and if you're a Dolphins fan, I guess it's the horror if you're a Baltimore fan, depends on your perspective, of that fourth quarter in particular, it is the reminder, and it's an important reminder, that as human beings, certainly in sports, certainly as a sports media person, 
we make knee-jerk reactions very quickly. Whether it's, you know, back in the Sports Illustrated cover story day, LeBron's going to be Hall of Famer, or Shohei's never going to be able to pitch and to hit, or, I don't know, D-Cell saying Trey Lance was better than Tom Brady last year. We make these knee-jerk statements. And the beautiful thing about sports, I love this about what I do for a living, I love this about the sports that I get to watch and just take in, like the rest of you, is that we actually don't know the answers to what it is to, to live a life and to seek some ambition and try to succeed or fail. It's the unknown that's interesting. It's why sports are so much better than some scripted television show, even if it is, I don't know, Only Murders in the Building, which I watched last night after all the football. It's, it's magic. And Tua's magic yesterday does not guarantee that he's going to live up to massive expectations, make the Dolphins, because he's the missing piece there, a Super Bowl contender with all the money they spent, all the pieces they brought in. Tyree kills the most flashy and was certainly the most flashy yesterday. But it does guarantee the talk that Tua can't do it, that, that Tua is a joke, that Tua is never going live to live up to it is over. Now we're where we should be, which is an exploration over the next two or three or five or six games of what Tua can be. And from what we saw last night, and I know it's a single gamer yesterday, it was magical. It was incredible. Tua Tungavailoa quelling all the doubters. And at a minimum, making the slate blank for what we should be talking about in terms of who this guy is. If Tua is serviceable, and we said this, this is obvious, if Tua is a half a percent above replacement level quarterback, if he's the 15th or 14th best QB in the National Football League, the Dolphins are, are, are a playoff team. Or, or more. They are great defensively. They have all kinds of weapons on that team. And last night, yesterday, I keep saying last night. I'm really, really turned around on time. Yesterday, Tua Tungavailoa was absolutely astounding. Here's what went down if you missed it. In that 42-38 romp of a comeback for Miami to put them at 2-0. Remember, Mike McDaniel's 2-0. The guy that looks like my former producer, Thomas Benedetto. It's so confusing. The guy that we found out, this is, we didn't even hit this, I don't think. We found out in the last few days that Mike McGill didn't shower when he was the coordinator with the Niners. I mean, he's a weird guy. We've heard him talk on some other radio shows. He doesn't shower. He's just bizarre. But I'm telling you, weird is good. Maybe Mike McDaniel's like Portland, Oregon. You know, keep Portland weird. Keep McDaniel weird. It's, it's working. Dude's 2-0. Here's what he led yesterday. That Dolphins team was down 35-14, 21 points, I'm good at math, entering the fourth quarter. And there was more than just the scoreline, though that is very daunting to come back from, because two had thrown a couple interceptions in the first quarter. If, like me, you were obsessed with your fantasy football and baseball teams, and if you're wondering, yes, I did advance to my in the playoffs against James Warder, James Warder who used to work here. Yes, I just for those of you asking, nobody, I just want to be able to clip it and send it to him. Yes, I did. And on the fantasy football side, I was kicking myself for not starting the Ravens defense early on because I thought again you fall back to these narratives you think you know you write the stories of, of athletes before there's enough evidence to know what's really going on I thought what am I doing of course two is going to throw a couple picks what an idiot I am but that's not the way that it went two stages one of the most literally and I'll give you the facts to back this up in a second one of the most impressive comebacks in a generation or more he throws for almost 500 yards over the course of that game six touchdown passes, which is absolutely incredible. But I think the most important thing and the most interesting thing and the most fascinating thing is the fact that for Tua Tungavailoa, and there's not many quarterbacks in the NFL for whom this is true, maybe Baker Mayfield and a few others, every interception, every game he loses, 
every comeback he can't mount is an exponentially unfair indictment from most people on why he can't do it and he can't make it. If he lost that game yesterday, if it came up short, it shouldn't be the end of the world. I know he's not Aaron Rodgers, but but Rodgers is pretty good at reminding people, and he did it last night after they kicked the holy you-know-what out of my Bears, of course, on, on Sunday Night Football, that one game doesn't make a season. We'll hear from Joe Burrow later, who says the exact same thing. But for Tua, the pressure's different. The certainty of his excellence is different. Let me give you some facts that highlight not just that Tua won a football game, but the fashion in which he did it, with the pressure that he's under. And, and, and to be fair, criticism is fair. I like criticism. I think it's important. It's just, how do you do it properly? With the massive resources, the improved offensive line, the offensive weapons, they spent a lot of money on Tyree Kill, and the Chiefs obviously would not do that. It's a very, very good defensive football team. That is a really good roster, if Tua can be great. And he was better than great last night. They were the fifth team, the Dolphins, yesterday. I keep saying last night. Fifth team since 1950. 1950. To win on the road when trailing 21 or more points in the fourth quarter. Five teams have done it. Tua Tungavalo and the Dolphins are, are one of those teams. Tua is the first quarterback with four touchdowns in a fourth quarter since 1989 when a, a little-known QB named Joe Montana did it. That is pretty rarefied air. And I don't know if you saw the actual stat line. I had Jalen Waddle on my fantasy team, so I certainly did. Tyreek had 11 receptions for 190 receiving yards and a couple touchdown pass. Couple of touchdowns. Jalen Waddle, 11 receptions, 171 yards, also a couple of touchdowns. By the way, also, I think this is really interesting and it speaks to Tyreek's ability to be a game changer for Tua Tungavailoa. Tua has thrown in his NFL career exactly four, Quacha, one, two, three, four passes that are 40 yards or more completions. Two of them were yesterday. They were both the Tyreek kill. Game changer. Game changer. And that combo. That Waddle Hill combo, they're the first teammates in the history of the National Football League to each have at least 10 receptions, at least 150 receiving yards, and at least two touchdowns, that's what each of them had, in a single NFL game. It's amazing. It's impressive. It it speaks, and this is sort of the reason I thought Tua was so interesting, because I love Waddle. I I think Jalen Waddle is a star. I I think he is an absolute game-changer. And to throw Tyreek Hill in is so much speed and so much dynamic ability for a defensive tackle. But the quarterback's got to get those guys the football. So it was a really interesting test of whether or not Tua could live up to it. And he did yesterday. Absolutely incredible performance. 50 passing attempts and and only 18 times the Dolphins won the football. Why? Well, in part because they were down. But also, and I I told you earlier, keep Mike McDaniel weird. Um, I'm there. Like I, And you're going to hear the weirdness in this answer, and I know it's a little long, but I think it's really interesting because the biggest question about the Dolphins' ability to live up to the talent on that roster, beyond Tua Tungavailoa, and again, yesterday Tua, at least for the moment, answered unequivocally, don't write me off yet. And if you want to be a believer, if you're a glass-half-full kind of person, if you're Mr. Positive, you can go to a much more generous place than don't write him off. But the other question is the head coach, who's never been a head coach before, who's a little weird, who talks about the most beautiful spiral that he's ever seen, who doesn't practice hygiene according to him, and then his former head coach with the Niners, Mr. Shanahan, Kyle, confirmed it in a real awkward, like, I don't 
these that much. Why didn't he say anything? Like, hey, Mike, love the offensive plan he came up with today. You smell like the dumpster out back. Can you please shower? Mike McDaniel's a weird, weird guy. He's a weird cat. But I love the message you're going to hear here in this clip after the win about both the guy wishing, be careful he put it in the universe, that his team would get down, but more importantly, the message he gave these guys at halftime. The night before, I I told the guys that, um, you know, I was really hoping that we'd get some off, uh, adversity in this game. And, like, I want to see how we respond um, to a deficit. And apparently they just took me way too literal. Um, but it was, I, I just, I called them out for, like, it was something that we all kind of expected. They're investing more than than they ever have. They're really, they're really all in. Um, and it was way disappointing. And so when you're down, um, the tendency is to kind of like hang your head and be like, and it's from a good spot, but um, that, you know, I just challenged him to say that who cares what the score is? Um, it's about our, how we play football together. So this is an opportunity. It's, it's a tough one, but it doesn't even matter. Let's go, let's get something out of this game to feel good about in the second half, and we'll worry about the score sometime in the fourth quarter, but let's just string some stuff together on both sides of the ball. Listen to that clip is a tough one, and it feels like he's just stringing some stuff together on both sides of the vocabulary divide, and yet, like that game, as he said, it works out. Pet peeve of mine has always been, and I learned this in a real way when I, when I had to hire people, it is, one, it is one skill to interview for a job. That skill does not often translate to actually doing the job. So often people who are charming in the room or get the jobs, and I know a guy in particular who, who came out of my university when I was a newspaper guy who was incredibly talented and is still at the place that, that, that he went and should have a better career. He's, he's shy and doesn't interview well, but he's great at what he does for a living. So I want to commend the Dolphins for hiring a guy who there's zero chance was impressive in that job interview. Why do you want to be the coach of the Dolphins? Well, you know, what's that smell? Oh, I don't shower. You know, I just, uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, can I just be, he's, he's not. I'm just saying he sounds like he's high when he talks. I'm just saying, like, he, he does. He sound look uncomfortable. It's America. There's a lot of examples of it in my street on a regular basis. Yesterday I was walking up the street and a couple of ladies were, were, were getting stoned and I had to be like, I'm not usually confrontational with women, but I was with my kids. And my son's like, are those drugs? So I had to turn and be like, are you guys serious? Just go in your house. You'd have to be stoned to have thought that Tua Tungavala could have done that. T-cell, T-cell looks so, un- so uncomfortable. <laughs> you all right? Yeah, I'm good. I, I particularly enjoyed when Mike McDaniel said, who cares about the score? The score doesn't matter. I saw you shake your head. McDaniel's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. But I like the message because it, it's, sort, it's very zen, and maybe that's the place that it goes to. It's very control the moments in front of you. I hate it when guys spew cliches, but I think it's interesting when, when these cliches that are based on actual processes that work play out. You, in any sport, in any competition, anything in life, really, you have to just focus on what's in front of you. And the fact they did that and, and, and staked that comeback was incredible. By the way, Lamar Jackson had a great game. But, man, I'm, I'm worried about Baltimore. You can't allow. It doesn't matter the circumstances. You can't allow 500 passing yards in a game ever, period. I don't care if you're playing Patrick Mahomes, and you certainly can't allow four passing touchdowns in a fourth quarter. I know the segment's going a little long, but Tua earned it, all right? He carved from his own excellence in that game 
our respect and time on this show. Here he is. Let's give him the last word on the idea of self-belief. I, mean, I would say I'm always you know, confident in what I can do, confident in myself. But, you know, I, I think that that just shows the resilience of, resiliency of our team. Um, it, it brings all our confidence up, um, confidence in one another, confidence that if the offense has a t- turnover, that the defense is going to get us the ball back and vice versa. Uh, so I, I think uh, you look at the big picture of it, um, you know, the, the confidence goes up for the team. 469 passing yards. Six passing touchdowns, two interceptions in the first quarter, a 21-point fourth-quarter deficit on the road erased, and a 2-0 record for one of the most interesting teams in the National Football League secured. A lot of people participate in that success. As I told you, Waddle and Hill were, were great. It, it, despite the 38 points they gave up, that is a really good Dolphins defense. But Tua Tungavailoa, who just talked to you about how he always believes in himself, and what he didn't say, but I'll say it, when most of us didn't, or at best we wanted it to be true, but weren't really sure it could be, that is the story of the National Football League this weekend. And that's saying something, because there was a lot going on. Trey Lance is injured. Tom Brady with the Bucks finally beat the Saints. There are two literal Super Bowl contenders who are 0-2, and the Browns lost to a minor league football team. All of that, sorry, Jess fans, all of that is coming up next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. You're listening to Writer Than You. I think you guys are losing sight of my actual argument. This isn't about Tom Brady. I don't think we are. It's more yeah. about the philosophy for the 49ers. But it should be about Tom the Brady. The philosophy is to lose because you drafted <laughs> some rando at Let's three. make it harder. On CBS Sports Radio. Oh, that's a great that's a great pull, D-Cell. That clip, that rejoin in the parlance of our business, is from an argument we had during the offseason when, when Bogus and I took the outlandish hot takey view that the Niners should get Tom Brady when that felt like something that was possible. And D-Cell said, no, I would take Trey Lance over, over Tom Brady. And then we responded, as you heard. And, good morning, Andrew. Would you like to hear, because I know like we live in a time of, of bad news and, and sad stuff and everybody's whatever, darkness and, and Mordor and all that. Do you want to hear, can I give you some examples that people both listen to the show and that kindness rules? Please. Here are some, just a few messages I got yesterday after Trey Lance, and it's awful. Down for the season, number three overall pick, if I remember that properly, a few years ago for the Niners, was the backup to Jimmy G. Jimmy G has taken the Niners to two NFC Championship games, including last year, and the Super Bowl. Did they make a Super Bowl under Jimmy G? I remember that right? Yeah, and the Super Bowl. Last year was an NFC Championship game. Should have beaten the Rams, actually. And they, the Niners, made the bold move to, to go with Trey Lance. And the poor dude is hurt. And it's awful. And it's, he's going to miss the season. Uh, credit the Niners for having a backup plan on accident. And here are the messages of support that came out to D-Cell. From that guy, sports writer. I know you and Andrew, at Andrew Bogish, that's you, Bogus on Twitter, are going to have a field day tomorrow at D-Cell CBS Expense since Lance is out for the year. <laughs> River Soto. D-Cell, bye with a waving thing. Your QB, Trey Lance. At sports writer with a little... A little that's mean. A little pound emoji. Thank you. And uh, Radical Jack 513 tweets at all of us, let's get a slow clap for Trey Lance and Diesel. I'm going to stop there because I'm starting to feel super mean. But, um, man, 
Diesel. You okay? You hanging in there? That's your that's your guy. I'm not okay. Yesterday was the worst outcome possible. We still have all these question marks about Trey Lance, and I have not been proven right or wrong yet. We have no idea if this guy can play yet. We have no idea. And you know what? Neither do the 49ers. This was the worst outcome possible. As you said, I love the way you just put it. They had a backup plan by accident. And now what happens now? What happens now? This is a good team around Jimmy G, just like it was around Trey Lance. The expectations were really high. I'm fearful. Nothing changes. I think this is still a playoff team. What do you do at the end of the year now? I mean, you try to get Tom Brady. You, you, you circle back to what we talked about before. I don't want to get too far in Brady's personal life, but if things go well, he could be a Dolphin in a year if he stick around. But if they don't, and he just needs to get the other side of the country, I'm just saying the Niners are on the other side of the country. D-cell. Process over results. <laughs> yeah. I mean, by the way... It, it is interesting, and, and nobody wants this to happen, and it was by accident, but this is why if you're a contender or you think you are, having a backup quarterback is really important. I mean, do you guys want to argue with me here? There's still a playoff team. They're still going to make the playoffs. They made the NFC. I'm not going to argue with you. So, like, what do you do at the end of the year? This is why I feel we- this is worst-case scenario. You either were going to find out this year if Trey Lance could play or he couldn't play. And then you were going to have at least a direction that you were going to go. Jimmy G is probably going to be good enough where this team will be a wild card and get into the playoffs. What do you do at the end of the year? He's going to be coming off a broken ankle, a major injury. Yes, he's still very, very young. I get it. You still have no idea if he can play. What are you going to do at the end of this season? Well, I do sort of have an idea whether or not I can play. It's just a different oh, idea. Oh, come on. He, yes, you. he was terrible against your Bears. Yes, he was <laughs> awful. Well, you can't hold one game and make that declaration. No, which is why I I think they try to do exactly what they just tried to do already. I, I don't think that their line of thought is going to change. Unless the issues that maybe came up in that Bears game or the fact that he wasn't voted the captain or the fact that they wanted, that they eventually were okay with keeping Jimmy G, not getting rid of him at any expense because Trey Lance wasn't as great as they wanted him to be. If, unless those things are, were, are super bad, I think they're almost in the same exact spot because I can't imagine that they're going to win the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo on a quarterback. So they're still going to be in a place where they can go, we still think we can be better with Trey Lance as our quarterback. So what's... I think I we agree. end up doing the same thing again. It's the same, it's going to be the same winter again. They actually get the actual outcome they wanted before because Jimmy G's an unrestricted free agent after this year, which means, right? I'm and they can't tag sure. him, and they can't trade him, right. so he's just going to walk away. Um, or but, they can renegotiate, obviously, due to a But a he's contract. on a contract year. So he, if he stays healthy, he's going to be so motivated to play so well. But I'm with Bogus. Like, there is no decent unless there's some setback. For Lance, and, and they think that this injury is something that changes what they thought he was going to be. They're going to roll him back next year, and if it doesn't work, it's, there's not going to be a safety net this time. This is a disaster. Worst thing that could have possibly happened. You want to say if this injury happened in week 10, 11, 12, maybe you had some findings on whether he could play or not. We still have no idea. Jimmy G is going to play well enough where you're going to have these same questions in the offseason is this team better off with Jimmy G? Should they pay him big money? Don't let him walk. Why are you going to give the franchise to Trey Lance? Worst outcome possible 
for the 49ers yesterday. Yeah, it happened early, too. And, and, and Jimmy G played like Jimmy G. He was fine. He moved the ball. He wasn't explosive and incredible. We did see that Seahawks defense play really well the week before against Denver, so it feels like it's not an amazing win, but it feels like a solid performance given the opponent for, for Jimmy G. I just I think the Trey Lance, look, I'm not rooting against him. And all the jokes aside about you liking Trey Lance but more than Tom Brady, which is sort of hard to shake off sometimes, I feel terrible for the kid. But it doesn't. it's not adding up to, to what's looking like a likely, remarkably successful career. Because at a certain point, Andrew, I don't know if you buy this or not, Bogus, confidence matters too, right? And you, you ref, like one of you referenced, wasn't made the team captain. Jimmy G is going to have a good year. I, it feels to me like the, pro, the likelihood of, of Trey Lance having a really successful career has gone down markedly for me. I, I don't know if I can say that. It's I mean, certainly a major setback. It's a huge setback. And we still even don't know just how bad the injury is. Like, we don't know physically what this is going to be like for him to come back. Even forgetting his stance in the locker room, his skill set, whatever, we just don't know how bad this is. Whether there's ligament damage, you know, tendon, all that kind of stuff is still basically unknown to us. So that's a whole other question we've got to answer, too, for a guy that is, you know, a third of his value is his athleticism and his ability to run if this is a long-term thing, a thing that changes, you know, his physical projection, that's a whole other issue as well for him to figure out. I also don't know who's going to win this division because it's it's <laughs> not going to be Seattle. And Arizona had a really nice comeback and it was a really nice win. Kyler Murray was really athletic at the end. And, and the Raiders, I think, are probably a pretty good 0-2 football team. And I didn't. I'm not gonna pretend I watched the Rams game. I watched parts of the Rams game on um, Red Zone, but I mean they didn't beat the Falcons by 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 three touchdowns. Although they were beating them up by three touchdowns, they held on them right, and then like this the comeback. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a wild weekend. Is it? Doesn't it seem conceivable? Not the likely outcome, but conceivable that Jimmy G can can win the division? Yes, it does to me. Yeah. Yes. Yes, this is why this is a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And I don't care what Kyle Shanahan says. They know it. They know it in that building, in that organization. They have no answers yet. They're going to have deja vu this offseason. Do you think deja vu is a real thing? Yes. Happens to me all the time. Me too. What do you think it is, though? Is it a glitch in the Matrix? Is it like alternate universes? You're bumping up like like really close to your alternate universe self? Is it a religious experience? Is it time travel? Is it a wrinkle in time? I don't mean the Ooh, the, uh, I'm going to go book. with time travel. I like that one. Time travel. You think so? Yeah. I find I, I have a deja vu that I can never remember that I feel like I've had a, like 150. Like when I have it, it, I physically feel overwhelmed. Not you, Bogus? Never to that extent. Physically yeah. overwhelmed? Yeah, like I stop and I like, I'm like, I'm like, what? Yes, I feel like I've been punched in the stomach. Wow. Absolutely. And I can never remember it, and it happens. I'm like, this has clearly happened before. I've clearly been through this before. I want to know more about this. All right, I'm going to write it down next time. It's like it's like when you wake up from a dream. I told I told Snell about a dream I had last night. It was really awkward. He was like, this morning, I won't even share it. It was just a weird dream. But the point is, you know, you wake up from a dream, and you think, I'll remember it, right? Middle of the night, I'll, t- I'll talk on the radio, and then you just forget the dream. You're supposed to write them down. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to get a deja vu book. It's going to be my notebook on my iPhone. I'm going to write it down next time. All right, good talk. A uh, quick question for you, Bogey, before we before we get out of here. I'm going to do this next segment. I want your take. 
Who do you have more confidence in that's 0-2 for the remainder of the season? The Bengals or the Raiders? The Bengals. Mm. Would you like to give any uh, explanation? Yeah, I mean, very oversimplified. I trust Joe Burrow more than I trust Derek Carr, and I've seen the Bengals almost win the Super Bowl. So I, 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 I know that some of the things, and I know Diesel's already shrugging his shoulders, things you were concerned about with them have been the main reasons why they're 0-2. I get that. But somehow they almost won both of these craptastic games as well. So I think they're going to pull some of these out eventually. I think they will be, they're not a true 0-2 team. The Raiders, I'm ready to move on from. Can I compliment you on something, um, Tom, Diesel? <laughs> on a day where Trey Lance, who you wanted over Tom Brady, is out for the season, and in a conversation about a Raiders team that I believe you put forth in the AFC West, and I mean this as a compliment. You pull off the smugness like really confidently. Like you, that was so much derision yeah. toward. I thought Andrew's very valid point. You're really carrying yourself with some. Uh, I have a lot of swagger, a lot of conviction in my takes, no matter how bad they are. I believe them, and I will not move off of them. So you, even though you think the Raiders are the fourth best team in the AFC West, you like. I'm just trying to get there. You like. You like them better than the Bengals. I have more confidence in <laughs> Vegas moving forward. Oh, yeah, Vegas. I keep wanting to say, all right, well, we're going to get into that. We're going to dive in a little deeper, and, and D-Cell is going to bring you a very earnest take. I'll give you one as well. And we will get into that Browns collapse against the Jets, man. That was ugly, and it's coming up here on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogush. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, what's going on on this Monday? We haven't even gotten into Urban Meyer and the ridiculous notion of Nebraska hiring him. And by the way, it makes sense in the same sense that sometimes it does to make a deal with the devil, which is to say there's a reason that he's available. Don't do it. We'll, we'll hit it later. We'll hit him by ourselves. We'll hit it later this week. Uh, Diesel, by the way, buddy, I'm, I am sorry about Trey Lance. That is such a – I'm sorry for him, man. Awful. I'm sorry for him. I'm sorry that everyone won't know that – my take would have been proven right. Uh, it's just it's a, it's a lost year for the 49ers and for my take. Yeah, it's it's brutal. Um, hope you had a good weekend. I want to get to some of these losing teams, but I've got three TV shows that I'm watching that I'm that I'm I would say partially through. I'm going to give you all three, and I know you're not going to watch any. I'm just curious which would appeal to you the most. All right, ready. Only murders in the building season two on Hulu which is Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. They live in a big high-rise in New York City on the Upper West Side, and they're trying to solve a murder and do a podcast on it. Very funny, very good, very edgy. Like it? Okay. The Rings of Power, which we've discussed. The, the prequel. Oh, you made a face. You made a face like an orc. Uh, the prequel to Lord of the Rings. Doesn't look like that's going to be your vote. It's excellent. They spend $60 million on every episode of that show. To put that in context, they spent $30 million on every episode of Game of Thrones. It's really good. It's Everyone's a movie, but it's basically everyone's a movie. That sounds then, like a lot of money. Yes. $60 million is a lot of money. And I would say that it translates to pretty good, pretty good TV. Orcs and goblins and rainbows and magic or whatever the hell's going on. Uh, and then there's season five of Cobra Kai, which I really like it. David Marinick, one of our bosses here, is a fan, as am I. It might be getting... So it's a, it's sort of like recycling the same... I really enjoy it. 
It does feel like it's recycled. You know when you, when you go to a movie and you, you, you buy a big bag of Twizzlers and you can't stop eating the Twizzlers? And by the last Twizzler, you're not really even sure you want the Twizzler, but it still tastes good? That's kind of what Cobra Kai is in Season 5. Okay, but it doesn't make my stomach hurt. Which of those appeals to you the most? Uh, give me the first one with uh, Selena Gomez, Martin Short, and Steve Martin. You, I think you and your wife, a little murder mystery, little murder mystery. And it's great because there's all these career comebacks. And the second season, they keep, they keep having people who have these career comebacks um, make appearances. And obviously, um, the, the two Martins, are, uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short, are, are kind of comeback career moments of their own. Speaking of comebacks, we've got two teams that really need to, to mount one this season. And we discussed this last segment a little bit with Bogish. He likes the Bengals, who are 0-2, to, to most likely turn things around. And you like the Raiders. Do we do we get stats on what percentage of teams that go into um, make the playoffs? Uh, no, but it's not very high. Got it. Got it. We don't have that information for you. We're efforting it with our crack research team here at CBS Sports Radio. Uh, before we get into these two teams, how about how about we hear from some of the participants? Let's start with Joe Burrow. Actually, the guy is so impressive, and I love his reaction to being 0-2. 0-2 is tough, but there's no panic. We've lost two games in a row before. We lost two games in a row several times last year. Uh, a lot of football left. You know, we got a great coaching staff that I know will will make the corrections for us and tell us what we need to do to get better. And we got the players to to go and make it happen. We've lost, we've lost two games in a row before. All right, it took a long time, but I googled, I googled it during the clip. Uh since the merger, four hundred teams have started the NFL season with an zero and two record, and thirty eight. That's nine and a half percent. That's one out of ten. Less than that, have made the playoffs. If it's going to be the Raiders, they're going to have to play better. You know what? And we also have a Browns team that's not 0-2, but I'm going to put them in this conversation. They're 1-1 because a loss to the Jets is is the equivalent of of not of subtracting a, should subtract a previous win and give you a loss. It should be two losses. And and even though they're 1-1, I know they don't technically fit the conversation. They're interesting, obviously, because their quarterback is not available to play for a big chunk of the season. Deshaun Watson suspended. And Kevin Stefanski, who's the head coach there under a lot of pressure, had a response that I I get, and maybe you'll buy it, but again, I found myself feeling skeptical of the head coach's explanation. Not even explanation, his messaging after the game. We win as a team, we lose as a team. We lost. We got beat, didn't play a 60-minute game. It's really frustrating, uh, frustrating to me, to our players in that locker room, I'm sure to our fans. Uh, that's, uh, it's, it's uh, not how we play. It's, it's, we have to finish um, and do the things that uh, allow you to, to win games, and, and we didn't do that. Um, everybody's going to want to point fingers uh, and, and say, whose fault was this? Put on everybody. It's all of us, me, coaches, players. It's everybody. We own it. Um, what we can't do is let this linger. Because we got a game Thursday night against a division opponent, uh, right back here. So we got to uh, real quickly uh, move on from this one. And that, that was my message to the team. And it's uh, frustrating. And, and I, you know, I know you guys got to ask the questions, and, and I'll try my best to answer them. But it's uh, frustrating for everybody. Yeah, I get the answer. I understand that. Blame everybody. But I think the problems run deeper than one 60-minute game. I know they're one and one, but that win against the Panthers was a barely. 
that fourth quarter when Baker got cooking, there was a comeback. And I'm worried about that Browns defense and playing to what should be fairly manageable offenses and allowing those teams, one of them to get the best of them. And again, Baker, with all the emotion and the weirdness of that game in the opener, to um, to mount a pretty fiery and impressive comeback that, that came up that came up short. I mean, the Browns are the team to, to buy. I I'm torn between Raiders and Bengals. Actually, who I buy? You you are very passionate on the Las Vegas Raiders, Mister DeCelestino. Why do you buy that zero two team? It's it's it comes down to this for me for the Bengals, and, and it, it's more skewed towards the Bengals for me. Zero two. Having lost both of these games by a field goal, I got it. You could come out here and you could say Diesel. They, they were in both of these games. They could have easily won. This was against two bad teams. This was against a Mitchell Trubisky offense and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys beat you. This isn't a Super Bowl hangover for me. Joe Burrow has been sacked 13 times. Yeah, 13 times in two games, which was their Achilles heel last season which tells me the Bengals did nothing, nothing this offseason to fix their biggest problem. They didn't learn. So I'm here wondering, in week two, was last season the anomaly? I don't. They made the Super Bowl. I understand, but maybe That's that was a big an anomaly. anomaly. That, maybe that was the anomaly. I mean, I think I'm with you. I think we have the same answer. Joe Burrow is the solution. And he's the answer to the most difficult question in the National Football League, which is how do you win football games? And at least on the offensive side, he, he's the answer. But you said it. You have to protect the guy. You have to protect the guy. And, and physically in the long term and, and just like the ability for the guy to have the time to weave his magic. I'm not saying that Tua Tagovailoa is going to live up to the standards we saw from Burrow last year. Maybe he will. But one of the things Tua has beyond receivers is an markedly improved offensive line. To your point, Diesel. Here's another interesting question that's not even on the rundown. We even discussed it. It's out of nowhere. I'm pulling it from my brain. You ready? Who do you buy more? Cooper Rush's Cowboys. And I know Dak's supposed to be back next week, but it feels like a very, very Cowboys Rush guy needs to get hurt again. Or the Lions. We haven't discussed this. I bet on I bet a lot of money on the on the um, on Detroit to cover that game, and they were favorites for the first time in a long time, and I bet a lot of money on Green Bay to beat my Bears. That's a little secret. Bet against the team that you root for, and you never feel like you lose if you just accept the fact they're going to lose anyway. I like what the Lions are cooking a little bit. Give me, Is that crazy? Give me Dan Campbell in Detroit. They play really hard for that guy. Really they hard do. for that guy. They are short in the talent department. They are going to lose a lot of games this season. They play their butts off, though. What about Jimmy G as a Lion next year? Right, I mean, you keep drafting defensive players. Campbell keeps coaching this team up where they play, as you said, 100% football all the time. They outwork other opponents. You start to add talent, some of the non-skilled positions, and then you bring in a quarterback who's not amazing. But I think with what Campbell's building Detroit, if you just manage the offense effectively, and to be fair, I mean, golf's put up some points. I mean, to be fair... That offense this year has scored some points. They scored 36 over the weekend and a bunch in their loss, which was a good game. I kind of like Detroit to be an interesting football team over the next couple of years. They're not going to be the Packers. The Packers are the sure thing. You know what it is? They're the, they're the inverse of the, the Vikings. The Vikings have a talented quarterback, and I don't believe they can win in the long term. And the Lions don't, but I believe that they're winners in what Campbell's are into fashion a little bit. I'm with you. Jimmy G would be would be an upgrade. 
over over Goff. They need more dudes. They need more talent, but they play their butts off. They're going to make strides this season. If they can get themselves a Jimmy G-type quarterback, yeah, they'd be around a 500 team. Did you watch uh, Sunday Night Football? Because it was the thing I hated most about it is the Bears had a lead. So I had all these buddies, some friends, like, yeah, we, we always play these guys tough. We never play them tough. The Packers, at the end of the game, the the, the, the awkward Aaron Rodgers post-game on the field interview was about how they how Aaron Rodgers always beats the Bears. And look, Rodgers has gotten a little um, awkward in his media appearances for whatever reason, but his message was dead on. I loved it. He knew the exact number of times that the Packers have beaten the Bears. He talked about history. But that game isn't just about the fact the Packers always beat Chicago. And Rodgers spoke to this. Green Bay lost last year to the Saints by a bunch of points. They obviously had a super disappointing start to this season. They're still going to win 12 or 13 games, Diesel. They're still going to win the division. And they're still going to be a team that competes for or plays in an NFC Championship game. That's my takeaway from Sunday Night Football. No, Packers ar- the Packers. no argument here. They were play. They were basically playing themselves last night just to see if they can get that offense, uh, you know, corrected. Is just and I like the fact that the kid out of North Dakota State. I don't know if you saw this, but they gave him a, it's basically a shovel pass, but it counts as a reception. He picked up some yard. He didn't get the first down, but he. I don't I think it was an eight or nine yard, but he like got in the flow a little bit. Like that's that's the kind of attention to detail with young players you need, that's a lot more effective than Aaron Rodgers spending the first three weeks of the preseason being like, these receivers suck, basically. And the kid drops a pass, 75-yard bomb on his first, on the first play of his NFL career. It's like those little adjustments are going to are gonna be really key. I want to get into Justin Fields being ruined, but I don't have time. They The Bears didn't, they ruined another, that poor guy. Why don't we just like pull an Eli and just refuse to go to Chicago now? I would if I was a quarterback. I wouldn't go. All right, Mike Florio is one of the best in the business, the guy behind Pro Football Talk, and he joins me here on CBS Sports Radio in just a moment.